For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're continuing on with our draft shows, and, and today we have a little bit of a different topic. We've been talking about individual position groups. We've talked about some other things related to the draft. Today we're going to talk about draft priorities, and joining me to do that is Brad McGowan. Brad, how are you doing? Doing great, Ken. Excited for this upcoming draft, and uh, yeah, looking forward to the topic. Okay, longtime friend of the show, Brad, is you can follow him on Twitter at McBradley, MC Bradley, uh, and you can find him uh, find him that way, talk football. I'm sure he'll be happy to do that with you. But, uh, Brad, you came to me with this interesting idea, and rather than me kind of like tell the audience about it, why don't you explain what you'd like to talk about here? Sure. So, uh, obviously, one of the most critical components and who the Ravens are going to draft with their first pick is going to be dependent upon who is really available. But we won't know that going into the draft. So what I was really interested in is given the state of the current roster and given the fact that we believe the Ravens should be, if healthy, competing for a Super Bowl next year, is there a position among the top three you know, positions we would find critical for their organization, cornerback, edge, offensive tackle, particularly left, that you think should bear more weight going into the draft understanding that we don't know who's going to be available at that selection. And if so, how would you rank those positions? Right. Good, great stuff. And, uh, and I, we can talk all the way through that. There's a lot of complexity to, to this topic. Obviously you just mentioned part of it is, is the left tackle situation will, will, will be a big one, but why don't we start with an overall priority? I'll tell you how I would uh, talk about it. If, if we have multiple players available at 14, uh, who might fit the Ravens' needs, or if even if there's a, a time that they have an opportunity to trade up, I think they, I, I hypothesize they can probably trade up as high as ten in this draft if they really wanted to do it. 
Um, I, I would put it as edge as number one offensive tackle, specifically a left tackle at number two and cornerback at number three. How would you look at it? So I think when I think about it, I think the concern I have with them taking a left tackle at that position is if, if Stanley turns out to be a hundred percent healthy this year and back to his old self, and they've filled the right tackle spot with Moses, and they also have James, and some. Mm-hmm. that's also a spot that's a little bit easier to fill later in the draft, then if they were to draft a left tackle with that pick, there is a chance that person doesn't contribute as much in the first year. And each of these positions, I think corner, edge, or left tackle, um, it, it's fair to expect that a first-round pick will contribute in year one. Those are positions that mm-hmm. guys can typically come in and play. So... You know, one of the things I'm personally trying to weigh is if that player were a corner or an edge, they're going to get on the field year one and they're going to be expected to contribute right away. Because even if even if Peters is healthy at corner and even if Bowser miraculously comes back midseason and can contribute, they're still going to need guys at those positions. Um, So I think that's really what I'm wrestling with. So as you're talking, I'm guessing you're saying edge corner left tackle is your your order in the way that I would have it as edge left tackle corner. Yeah, I think I think ultimately I would put tackle the last of the three. And the Mm -hmm. other, you know, the other thing that I would think about there is if you draft an edge that helps your pass rush, that's automatically going to help your pass coverage. Or if you draft a corner that helps your coverage, that's going to also help your pass rush. So those two positions could, you can make the case they would influence the other sure. on defense. So I, I think that's how I'm thinking about it. I just, they're tied into Stanley for a long time. They can't get out of his contract really until the 2024 offseason, I, I think. That of the 2024, prior to 2024, they could do it. I right. Think. Prior to the 2024 season. So, of course, that doesn't mean he's going to be healthy. And as we saw last year, if they don't have a competent left tackle, it's going to be a very, very tough sledding. It doesn't matter what else is around the team. So, you know, I think, I think that's just that's just the thing that I'm trying to weigh personally is in the off chance he is healthy, it could be a waste of a pick. If he's not healthy, they need someone. Okay, so we, we seem to be pretty square on edge, though I think there are some sub-questions with edge, but let's address left tackle first. And I, I, I'm just going to give you my thoughts on this because I think we just heard some from you that are very good about this, is I don't disagree with you about the nature of left tackle being more of an insurance pick than a immediate production pick. But I would still argue that if they can get one of the top three guys, and possibly even if they can get one of the three, top three guys at 10 by trading up, Mm-hmm. Uh, I might still be inclined to do it just because it's very rare to be able to fill those positions. If they got, say, Cross or Oconquo at, at uh, um, uh, Aquano, at, at, I got the tight end on my mind. But right. anyway, at, at, at number 10, then uh, that would, that would, Aquano could immediately move in and play guard. Uh, and, and I don't think there would be a, a, a particular loss on that. There might not be as much of a gain because the Ravens, I think, are fairly set on the interior offensive line with who they have. Um, but what they what they um, for the starters anyway. Uh, but what I what I don't consider to be a uh, carved in stone starting position is Morgan, Morgan Moses at right tackle. 
Mm-hmm. I go ahead in a, in a heartbeat. If I got one of those three guys, I'll go ahead and put them in at right tackle, put Moses in bubble wrap for the year. I do not want either Moses or Cross or whoever we might get playing on the interior, even a Conqu- even Aquano, who really has the ability to play guard, is a massive run mauler, you know, often compared mm-hmm. to Colecchio Semele. I would rather not have him play guard if the team has exactly three tackles they can trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you think about just – some of the history the Ravens have had, they had Ogden for a long time at left tackle, mm-hmm. who was a premier player, and he was also a premier pick. Uh, they now have Stanley at left tackle, when healthy, who is a premier player and a premier pick. When they haven't had one of those two guys at left tackle, it, they have gone out and tried to sign a premier guy. They tried to bring in Eugene Run- Monroe that one year. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't really last very long. And, and when they haven't had one of those two guys, there's been a lot of um, really ups and downs on the line. And so it's, it's really critical to have that left tackle spot solidified. Yeah, they, they did, by the way, and they, this is a forgotten man now in Ravens history, but he was one hell of a football player for two years was Jared Gaither in 2008 and nine. And, and, you know, the organization botched their handling of Michael Orr in multiple ways, but he was a short arm guy should have stayed at right tackle. It would have made a lot more sense. In fact, I think he probably, could have had close to a Hall of Fame career at right tackle if he just stayed there, stayed focused on being that, instead of probably letting his agent or his ego, you know, take center stage in terms of wanting to move him to left tackle. I don't think it was the right move for the Ravens. Uh, they obviously pissed Gaither off with the thing. Gaither immediately developed a mysterious injury. Now, that kind of player I don't have any tolerance for either, and Gaither threw his entire career away. But I just say that, you know, the Ravens have been able occasionally to make a very crafty move to get a left tackle, um, and, and they did so uh, with Gaither. I thought the, the Monroe trade also was, was relatively cheap for what they had to give up to get him. Yeah, but I, I would also suggest in Gaither's case, he was a premier talent mm-hmm. who was a little bit – stained coming out of college in fact they took him in the supplemental draft that year yeah yeah and i i recall that because he was a maryland guy and i went to maryland so that's why i remember that but in that case they needed a premier size shape Mm -hmm. athlete in order to fill that role um and i think you could make the case at other positions i mean i the point i was trying to make in bringing that up is across the offensive line at all of the other spots, they've been able to find and develop guys from top picks all the way through undrafted guys that can come in and fill those spots. The left tackle is the one spot that that's. Yeah. Completely agree. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah and so, you know, as we're, as we're talking through this, I think your perspective is, is uh, wearing off on me. And, and, and the idea of going into the season with that not left tackle spot, not solidified is scary. Yeah. And, and I, I, would, I guess I would say that the Ravens really should not draft a tackle with the intention that the guy's going to play on the right – sorry, with the intention that the guy can only play on the right side. A, a, a guy who is a right tackle only, and there are a number of them in this draft. There's a number in every draft you know, mm-hmm. of guys who do move like Orlando Brown. Uh, Orlando Brown ends up being a you know, pretty good left tackle, so that he's not a good example. But Darian Kennard of Kentucky is a, is a tackle guard type who's probably going to have to move to the inside. Uh, there are plenty of other guys who, who have right tackle written all over them for various concerns from length to feet or whatever. We've got to have a guy with a good mirror 
and the right skill set to play left tackle. And I, 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 as far as I'm concerned, I'd probably give up on drafting a tackle at all if you can't get a guy who can play on the left side. I'd rather do that. Then, then take a half measure and then have another young player that we're kind of committed to developing who can only be a right tackle. You're talking specifically in the first round, correct? I, I'm actually, I think I would go almost all the way through with that. I, 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 you know, they can only afford to take one tackle, I think, for developmental purposes with all of the other baggage they have. They have Juwan James around. He's, you know, he can lose his spot. That's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have uh, uh, Moses around who basically I don't care if he rides the bench, but but I don't want to I don't want to draft a guy who can only play right tackle. If you draft, a, if you if you use a lot of draft capital, to do it's not going to be a worthwhile return on the investment. The only way you're going to get the real return on the investment is by getting a guy who can play left tackle and save your season. If yeah. things go things go south with Ronnie Stanley. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely true. And, you know, when I'm thinking, when I'm thinking about prioritizing corner or edge over tackle in a lot of ways, that's influenced by how poor the defense looked specifically against Cincinnati last year. And that's a team they're going to have to now contend with for probably several years uh, and figure out a way to shut down. And they either got to get pressure or they got to be able to cover multiple receivers. Um, you know, unfortunately, in, in in a lot of Ravens offseason years, they have a lot of depth guys in the pipeline that can be developed to replace, you know, bigger name guys that have moved on. This year, it seems that they are almost in the opposite position where they have a lot of bigger named guys yep. coming off of injury. And a lot of those traditional depth guys are now not there. Yeah, that's a huge problem. You're you're spot on with that comment. And and this is one of the things I've been a proponent of the Ravens having even more than 10 draft picks this year that they could mm-hmm. do well with 12, say. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think they might do some trading down because it's a deep draft and you'd love to have more players from here and you can't afford every UDFA. You have a limited right. UDFA pool of money and you have to compete with other teams for the guys you want there. So you're better off drafting them if you can. But the but the 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 uh, the point I'm making here is that the Ravens, if you look at how you categorize them into the five categories I use when I do the show, which is young producers and and uh, veterans that are that are playing on the on their uh, contract, and then you've got the the veteran value concerns and the and the, um, the developmental players and the transitional players who are really guys who don't have any obvious place on the roster. Right. The Ravens do not have nearly enough developmental and young producers. Those mm-hmm. are the guys they need more of. And in order to do that, you have to reset the clock to get up more rookie players on your team. And the Ravens, obviously, this has not been exactly it. I know we're coming off a year where the Rams won the Super Bowl basically by ignoring rookie talent. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I think that that presents an opportunity for the Ravens to have this wave of Rams franchise building mania play into their hands in terms of their ability to do the traditional things that have worked for them, acquire more draft picks, acquire more young talent and, and develop that. Yeah, I think. Um, well, another question I want to ask that's related to this topic is. I, th- I think from my perspective, in that first round, edge, cornerback, tackle. That's okay. what I'm thinking. Outside of those core positions, are there any of those prospects that might likely fall to them that you think are worth 
you know, foregoing one of those key positions of need to go after. Uh, the, the, the guy who is on everybody's lips right now, it seems, is Jordan Davis, potentially at number 14. And, yeah. and the reason I, I do like him for the Ravens in, in several ways, I, I like him because he addresses youth at a p- position group where they have a lot of problems with not having any youth. Right. He addresses positionally exactly what the Ravens are short on right now. A gigantic nose who can actually do something, who can stop mm-hmm. the run right now. You know, my position is not a was not never a big pass rusher in terms of generating a lot of pressures or a lot of sacks, but not a eight a ton of double teams. And that right. made it easier for everybody else. And Jordan Davis, I think we will see the same thing. Is mm-hmm. a guy who, who will eat a ton of double teams. I do have questions about you know conditioning and whatnot and whether or not he can play as many snaps as uh, you know we would hope out of a player we drafted in the first round because not a became an Iron Man but he played only forty two percent of the snaps as a rookie and I think you know Jordan Davis that may be about what they'd be looking to do and build him up to a um, fifty three to fifty five snap a game guy you know a guy who'd be playing uh well that's 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 too high let's say let's say a 55 percent of snaps guy yeah uh, at some point later in his career i i i just i I think i'm more optimistic about how that can work out and i'm i'm actually much more um sanguine happy searching for the right word um optimistic about what might have what he might contribute to the pass rush with his eating of double teams on early downs yeah, and I think part of the the concerns that I've heard about him is that when he came into the combine and tested, uh, he was trimmed down from his yeah. his playing weight. And if he can maintain that, um, you know, I, I, what did they say? His relative athletic score is the number two all time after Calvin Johnson. I mean, it's just an incredible physical talent. Um, and you would think getting into an organization like Baltimore's playing beside a veteran like Clayus Campbell would do wonders for, uh, for someone like that. And I'm excited about the prospects of, of him. And I think to the, to answer my question that I asked you, Davis at 14 would make a lot of sense for Baltimore, even if they don't get one of those top positions. Cause I also think there is some good depth at edge and corner this year in the draft. Um, and the Ravens have demonstrated they can get edge guys and corners in the later, later rounds. So here's here's the way we should set this up. Uh, they have demonstrated that, and it's and it's good. One of the let's talk about corner first because it's in a way it's easier. Uh, mm-hmm. The Ravens have a sub positional need at corner. Their need is really at slot corner, which is a cheaper position to address in the draft. The Ravens are very fortunate in that they've uh, consistently acquired length and what I call aircraft carriers at corner, but guys who are, are big and physical, and it's, it's a prototype they have, and they've always been able to fill in the slot corner as needed. There was a time, by the way, when the Ravens had a bunch of slot corners and, and not as much on the outside, and right. they were having to move slot guys. That's not the preferable model. What they're yeah. doing now is exactly what you want to do. Uh, it makes it easier to fill those guys, much easier to go out and get a slot guy. I know the position's complex to play. I know it's a different skill set. It's just mm-hmm. that size and shape pool is much larger and much easier to find players in. Mm-hmm. Do you think um, that uh, Peter's coming back from an ACL? Um, I know uh, all last season, a lot of the discussion that you had on the podcast is whether he would even be back this year. It might be a cap concern. And the Ravens uh, indicated very early in the offseason that he was going to be back and they had big plans for him. Do you think uh, him coming off the injury 
we it, it is the kind of injury that guys come back from and, and slot right back in. Do you think there's in your mind any concern that he might not come back in the same way and and that they would really need another outside corner? There's always that concern. Any player yeah. who's who's had an injury, I'm always concerned that he's they might not come back to be exactly the same player. And we watched what happened to Lardarius Webb, and and he really had a Hall of Fame career derailed by injuries. And I'm not exaggerating that he was the best freaking cornerback in the entire NFL in 2011. And you know he had an injury before that, and the injury after that, and you know that was he, that was it. Yeah, I mean he was he was so. Um, I remember thinking at the time uh, when he was having that season of just how valuable he was to Baltimore because he also played the run very well. And he was yeah. able to, uh, you know, hold that edge in run defense when we had three cornerbacks on the field. And that was just um, really a bummer that he didn't, you know, his injury, his injury really took his sapped his sapped his speed and quickness in that way. Um, one of the other things that we've speculated about for the secondary specifically is um, now that they've signed Williams, being able to leverage um, uh, Stevens a bit more in the slot. Do you think that that given how he performed last year, do you think that that's a natural development for him and, and a, and a skill set he'll be able to take on? Um, nothing's obvious right now about where Brandon Stevens will play to me. Um, I think he's one of the options at a bunch of different spots and, and he's not one of the obvious options. I, you know, our Darius Washington is a, is a guy in the slot who has a chance to be the, our guy there hmm. uh, at safety. Geno stone could be playing the back end. I think he makes more sense in terms of what you want on in the dime defense. I don't think Brandon Stevens really makes sense as a dime. First of all, not that great a tackler, but second of all, you know, not the physical build necessarily like Clark has uh, to really pound time after time. The Ravens could play quarter defense this year and basically replace their second linebacker. But the, but you even want a more physical safety in that point. And the obvious choice is Jefferson. So mm-hmm. I, I don't really see an obvious spot for Stevens. I'm, I, it's, I'm okay if he's the fifth corner, if, sorry, the fifth safety. I'm also okay if, if they really consider him a backup corner. And if I had to say where he might make the most sense, I think it might be on the outside. I think his his size kind of speaks to me to be an outside corner. So uh, yeah, it's it's not clear to me. I it, you know they I think right now if they look back at him they'd said yeah we overdrafted him, hmm. uh, and and uh, we probably should have tried to get him with a five instead of a three there, and and they'd have been happy if somebody else took him off their hands and they had somebody else in that third round. But uh, we'll we'll see how this how this proceeds. It's not it is not impossible that Brandon Stevens is going to pick it up and be a damn good football player at some point. But it's not obvious to me that's going to happen either. And it's not obvious where his opportunity is going to come. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, well, I guess, you know, going into next week, we'll just have to have to see what they do. It's, it's exciting them having an early pick. Yeah. Um, and I appreciated the pod you had earlier this week about the possibilities of them trading up. Um, yeah. Cause I think some of those options are really intriguing. Yeah, they have to be. They have to be reasonable, but certainly, uh, you know, the the, the, the trade ups we see that annoy the hell out of me on Twitter, frankly, are ones where they're not realistic in terms of exchange trade value, or Absolutely. somebody got it to work on the PFF mock simulator, which has some enormous problem with its valuation of trades. In fact, I saw mm-hmm. one guy who traded down, picked up two hundred JJ points, 
then before he made those picks, traded back up, gained another 200 JJ points <laughs> on the second trade. And so obviously something is wrong. You know, yeah. they, they build in some kind of a random component that's supposed to be, maybe they'll take it, maybe they won't kind of thing. And maybe teams are interested in trading and maybe they're not. It doesn't make any sense to me at all. And I'll just say, uh, do so at your own peril. If you if you point to the PFF mock as a as a good way to find what trade you should be able to make, because I think it's I think most trades are still done by JJ value, even though uh, you know, the Ravens certainly believe in flatter valuations and trading down in general. So yeah. I, I, I like two chances. I like the Ravens trading up to ten if if a, if one of the key. Offensive tackles or edge players or even a corner drops to 10 that they that they want, like Gardner, say. I'd certainly trade up to 10. If I like trading back. If you can trade 14 and get 32 and 34 from the Lions, I love that trade too. I think yeah. you get you get second-tier, two second-tier players as opposed to a first-tier player. Yeah, and you made this point on one of the, the previous podcasts and your draft coverage that we really need to be rooting for a couple of those quarterbacks to oh, get yeah. drafted in the top 10. If we can get two of those guys to go in the top 10, we're going to have someone that we really like available yeah. when we're on the clock. Yeah, that, that would be very sweet, obviously. Uh, you know, the, uh, Mark Schofield made the point that if Jimmy Garoppolo is not traded by draft day, that's a big win for the Ravens because it means people are going to be trying to go after quarterbacks in the draft more. And if the, the ultimate win, the ultimate fantasy for Ravens fans is that the Lions go ahead and take their quarterback at number two, that they like Willis enough to do it, give up on Hutchinson, you know, maybe, or, or, or Thibodeau, whichever one is available to. And, uh, and, and they say, okay, no, we'll take a quarterback instead. Uh, that could set off a chain of dominoes that will have several quarterbacks taken early, and teams like Pittsburgh may have to move up. Mm-hmm. What I love about that is that the Ravens, by trading number 14 and get and moving down, could actually set off a run on quarterbacks that would increase their chance to get good players with the picks they get from that, particularly if they trade a 32 and 34, for example. If they can get two more quarterbacks drafted in the first round by the fact that they traded 14 to the Lions, that's potentially will improve the value of their own picks. It's, yeah. just, it's just a marvelous set of circumstances as possible. And everybody yeah. else is going to say, no, it's not reasonable. And I guarantee you, we will have quarterbacks taken that you didn't expect to go in the first round in this, uh, in this draft. Yeah. I think I, I, I heard the stat a couple the other day that the, in the last 20 years, the only draft that didn't have top 10 quarterback was uh, the uh, EJ manual draft. He went 16 that year, I think, and that's the only time in the last 20 years that a quarterback wasn't drafted in the top 10. Yeah, that's remarkable. And I, I don't think this is going to be the year. I think there, there's there's too many, a two, six, and eight right there. Seahawks are at nine, too, I believe, right? Yeah. There's, there's too many options for teams that need a quarterback to pass up on a, a, a single guy who maybe is better than the others. So it, it's not like there's a whole group of quarterbacks that are very close. It's do you believe in this guy and his style to run your offense in a difference between, say, Pickett and, and Willis? Right. So I, I think there will be, you know, yeah. teams making a call along those lines. Yeah, I think, you know, my my pipe dream scenario is that the Ravens, there's enough smoke around or enough fire creating the smoke around Thibodeau possibly falling that he does fall and the Ravens are able to, you know, trade up probably no more than 10 to get him or, or Stingley would be, you know, in a, in my, my pipe dream scenario, but it sounds, 
It sounds likely those two guys will be off the board by 10, but there's always a chance. Yeah, there, there is a chance. I, I, we, the one thing we didn't talk about so far that, that I kind of wanted to was at edge. The Ravens have a somewhat similar need, and it's not exactly as, as, it's not as pronounced. But at cornerback, they really need a slot corner, which means they can go later. At, okay. at tackle, they need a left tackle, which means they have to go earlier. Okay. But at edge, they really need a Sam. And the Sam is really important to the Ravens if they want to continue being a scheme-dependent pass rush. A lot of guys dropping from the line of scrimmage. We don't know for sure that McDonald is going to run the defense. He could even go to a 4-3 at some point. Um, don't really have the inside linebackers for it right now, so I'm not too concerned about that happening in 2022. Mm-hmm. But but it, it, they really need a guy who can provide some coverage value from outside linebacker. Do you think that if if they, there was a premier rushing prospect, though, uh, understanding that they need a Sam, given Oway's athleticism, yeah. that they could move him into that role if they got a top-tier rush prospect? I, I think that's exactly what will happen anyway with Bowser being out for, out for part of the year. And if it works out, I think they end up kind of sharing that position even when Bowser comes back. But Oway, to me, very natural. His athleticism screams Sam. He can do so many things for you. I've also heard some rumblings that they may consider moving Harrison to outside linebacker and more of a permanent role. Have you, do okay. you have any thoughts around that? He's I, I, several I, couple snaps, but I've, I've heard such things. They've had three inside linebackers on the field and positions where you might call Harrison an outside linebacker uh, for just a couple snaps this last year. Um, is it, is it realistic? Probably not. In my opinion, if they were looking for a two down run stopper on the outside and he had, he was bulked up and 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 ready to play with a little more weight than maybe. Um, okay. But you know, it's, I to me, I think Harrison needs to make it at the Mike spot, and he needs to make sure he gets some opportunity this year. The Ravens kept him on the roster the whole year, even though there's lots of tea leaves indicating that they were very pissed off with him. Mm-hmm. So you know, right. he, he he got shot. Well, is that his fault? Probably not that he got shot. I'm certain he didn't. You know, he obviously didn't pull the trigger. But uh, but but did he put himself in a position that he shouldn't have been in? I, I really don't know the circumstances. Can't say. But I do understand that that he was healthy and not getting opportunities at inside the linebacker when Welch and even Thomas were getting series to relieve binds. That screams yeah. that they're very unhappy with him, and yet they kept yeah. him the whole year which tells mm-hmm. me also that they um, still believe in the guy's future to some degree. So he probably comes with a fresh slate into this camp, but he needs to prove himself. And honestly, he needs to prove himself at Mike, not at will uh, to, for, I think, him to be really valuable. I think the will linebacker spot, we're going to see um, Queen will have it, except when it's a passing down, when it's a passing down, it's going to be a safety. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense, especially now that they, um, that board is not on the team. Yeah. Um, which I'm actually excited for them to use a safety in that spot. I, I, as for the mic, you're saying now. Well, as opposed to when they had yeah. when they would bring board on in those situations, right? So, so board board was really playing that mic role in yeah. the, in a, a passing down. But you're right; it could be it could be quarter now, and that means four safeties on the field with three corners. And I'm I've been a big proponent of that. It's it's only really been done a lot 
twice in Ravens history. The first was 96 when it was done out of need a lot, but it was Ray Lewis getting replaced by Benny Thompson. The second time it was done a lot was in 2000. And people don't really remember this, but 55 snaps of of quarter plus seven more in the Super Bowl. uh, It it became a very regular third down defense for them. And and, uh, they didn't have any problem running that. Well, that year they had Siragusa and Big Sam Adams in the middle. So maybe if they bring on Jordan Davis in the first round, yep. paves the way for the two big uglies up front with him and Campbell. Yeah, and they can run go. the quarter. Yeah, they, you could do that. The Ravens in 2000 ran a 31 quarter, which is a very, very unusual thing. They really just had three pass rushers up front. Ray Lewis was kind of a rotating pass rusher on third down, and they had seven defensive backs behind them. And that was that was a thing to watch. It was a lot of fun. Oh, man. Good old days. Yeah. All right, Brad, you always bring a good topic to the show. Anything, any other comments before we kind of cut this down? I want to shut you off if you've got more to say. No, it was great. Uh, appreciate the discussion. All right. Always a pleasure, Brad. Uh, tell folks again where they can talk football with you. And is there any, any other content you produce? No, I'm just on Twitter at MC Bradley. All right. Outstanding. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on be on a show, bring your topic here. and We'll discuss it uh, like Brad just did. Then uh, send me a DM on Twitter. They're open. Love to hear from you. Uh, particularly draft content right now is great. After we are done with the draft, we'll be going to our normal off-season shorts. And we've got all sorts of things planned, but uh, love to hear in particular, if you have a plan for doing more than one episode on a related topic, I'm interested in talking to you about that and maybe setting that up. But uh, I'll get back to you very, very quickly in any case. Brad, thanks again for coming on. Thanks, Ken. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.